What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 31 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ron Paul. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I ask unanimous consent to revise and extend my remarks. Without objections ordered. Mr. Speaker, this may be the last time I speak on the House floor. At the end of the year, I'll leave Congress after 23 years in office over a 36-year period. My goals in 1976 were the same as they are today, promote peace and prosperity by a strict adherence to the principles of individual liberty. It was my opinion that the course of the U.S. embarked on in the latter part of the 20th century would bring us a major financial crisis and engulf us in a foreign policy that would overextend us and undermine our national security. To achieve these goals, I sought, the government would have had to shrink in size and scope, reduce spending, change the monetary system, and reject the unsustainable cost of policing the world and expanding the American empire. The problems seemed to be overwhelming and impossible to solve, yet from my viewpoint, just following the constraints placed on the federal government by the Constitution would have been a good place to start. Just how much did I accomplish? In many ways, according to conventional wisdom, my off and on career in Congress from 1976 to 2012 accomplished very little. No name legislation, no name federal buildings or highways, thank goodness. In spite of my efforts, the government has grown exponentially, taxes remain excessive, and the prolific increase of incomprehensible regulations continues. Wars are constants and pursued without congressional declaration. Deficits rise to the sky. Poverty is rampant and dependency on the federal government is now worse than any time in our history. All this with minimal concerns for the deficits and unfunded liabilities that common sense tells us cannot go on much longer. A grand but never mentioned bipartisan agreement allows for the well-kept secret that keeps the spending going. One side doesn't give up one penny on military spending, the other side doesn't give up one penny on welfare spending, while both sides support the bailouts and the subsidies for the banking and the corporate elite. And the spending continues as the economy weakens and the downward spiral continues. As the government continues fiddling around, our liberties and our wealth burn in the flames of a foreign policy that makes makes us less safe. The major stumbling block to real change in Washington is the total resistance to admitting that the country is broke. This has made compromising just to agree to increase spending inevitable since neither side has any intention on cutting spending. The country and the Congress will remain divisive since there's no loot left to divvy up. Without this recognition, the spenders in Washington will continue to march toward a fiscal cliff much bigger than the one anticipated this coming January. I've thought a lot about why those of us who believe in liberty as a solution have done so poorly in convincing others of its benefits. If liberty is what we claim it is, the principle that protects all personal, social, and economic decisions necessary for maximum prosperity and the best chance for peace, 
It should be an easy sell. Yet history has shown that the masses have been quite receptive to the promises of authoritarians, which are, are rarely, if ever, fulfilled. Should we have authoritarianism or liberty? If authoritarianism leads to poverty and war and less freedom for all individuals and is controlled by rich special interests, the people should be begging for liberty. There certainly was a strong enough sentiment for more freedom at the time of our founding that motivated those who were willing to fight in the revolution against the powerful British government. During my time in Congress, the appetite for liberty has been quite weak. The understanding of its significance negligible. Yet the good news is that compared to 1976, when I first came to Congress, the desire for more freedom and less government in 2012 is much greater and growing, especially in grassroots America. Tens of thousands of teenagers and college-age students are, with great enthusiasm, welcoming the message of liberty. I have a few thoughts as to why the people of a country like ours, once the freest and most prosperous, allowed the conditions to deteriorate to the degree that they have. Freedom, private property, and enforceable voluntary contracts generate wealth. In our early history, we were very much aware of this. But the, in the early part of the 20th century, our politicians promoted the notion that the tax and monetary system had to change. If we were to involve ourselves in excessive domestic and military spending, that is why Congress gave us the Federal Reserve and the income tax. The majority of Americans and many government officials agreed that sacrificing some liberty was necessary to carry out what some claim to be progressive ideas. Pure democracy became acceptable. They failed to recognize that what they were doing was exactly opposite of what the colonists were seeking when they broke away from the British. Some complained that my arguments make no sense since great wealth and the standard of living improved for many Americans over the last hundred years, even with these new policies. But the damage to the market economy and the currency has been insidious and steady. It took a long time to consume our wealth, destroy the currency, and undermine productivity and get our financial obligations to a point of no return. Confidence sometimes lasts longer than deserved. Most of our wealth today depends on debt. The wealth that we enjoyed and seemed to be endless allowed concern for the principle of a free society to be neglected. As long as most people believed the material abundance would last forever, worrying about protecting a competitive productive economy and individual liberty seemed unnecessary. The age of redistribution. This neglect ushered in an age of redistribution of wealth by government, kowtowing to any and all special interests, except for those who just wanted to be left alone. That is why today, money in politics far surpasses money currently going into research and development and productive entrepreneurial efforts. The material benefits became more important than the understanding and promoting the principles of liberty and a free market. It is good that material abundance is a result of liberty, but materialism is all that we care if but if materialism is all that we care about problems are guaranteed 
The crisis arrived because the illusion that wealth and prosperity would last forever has ended. Since it was based on debt and a pretense that debt can be papered over by an out-of-control fiat monetary system, it was doomed to fail. We have ended up with a system that doesn't produce enough even to finance the debt and no fundamental understanding of why a free society is crucial to reversing these trends. If this is not recognized, the recovery will linger for a long time. Bigger government, more spending, more debt, more poverty for the middle class, and a more intense scramble by the elite special interests will continue. We need an intellectual awakening. Without an intellectual awakening, the turning point will be driven by economic law. A dollar crisis will bring the current out-of-control system to its knees. If it's not accepted that big government, fiat money, ignoring liberty, central economic planning, welfareism, and warfareism caused our crisis, we can expect a continuous and dangerous march toward corporatism and even fascism with even more loss of our liberties. Okay. Welcome back. Uh... So this is, this was Ron Paul's farewell speech that he gave on the House floor. Um, I feel like this was after 2008, after the housing crisis. Um, or maybe it was 2012. Anyway, this wasn't very long ago where Ron Paul... You know, after 23 years in office, over a 36-year period, I mean, talk about a public servant. I mean, a statesman, people. A perfect example of what you people should want a politician to sound like, to believe in, to fight for. I don't, I don't understand I don't understand this love affair with Republicans and Democrats. I don't understand how people still don't see this stuff so clearly. Ron Paul just summed it up. Every single thing that he prophesied was going to happen is happening now. He was right. Guess what, Democrats? Guess what, Republicans? Ron Paul was right. Just like everybody who believes that libertarianism versus authoritarianism is the fight. It is the conflict of the 21st century people. I don't know if Orwell actually said this, but somebody attributed this to him. The 21st century, the, the political divide in the 21st century will no longer be between Republicans and Democrats. It'll be between authoritarians and libertarians. And I like that because that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're going. That's the future. Because we have been propagandized for so long. We have been lied to and hoodwinked for so long. We have been desensitized, dumbed down, propagandized, uh, drugged, lulled to sleep, 
so much for so long. It's like we all are, are in a state of Stockholm Syndrome. I think Terrence McKenna once said that culture is a mass delusion. The American culture most definitely is. It's a mass delusion. Pre-meditated, pre-fabricated, created, imagined, and pumped out through the mainstream media into the brains, into the minds, repetitively. Just slammed into your brains. All of us, the American people. One of the most propagandized cultures in human history. No wonder why a lot of you can't see it. Because there are vast amounts of money and power trying to keep you stupid, trying to keep you obedient, passive, silent, afraid. Ron Paul, this is just a little clip of uh, a longer speech. Uh, the transcript can be found if you want to read through all this on uh, Campaign for Liberty, Reclaim the Republic, re Restore the Constitution. I don't know why those are just Republican ideals, people. I don't understand why you Democrats don't believe in liberty. Is, it really, is that really what it is? You just don't believe in liberty? You don't believe that human beings are capable of creating for themselves the best possible situation? You don't think that we're capable of exercising our reason and making decisions that have the best intentions of the whole in mind? You better start coming back to the center, you far lefties. Because if you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the fucking problem. Quit being part of the problem. Um, later on, Ron Paul is going to talk about you know, no more isms. We got to get all these isms away. Let's let's talk about let's talk about, you know, a return to the Constitution would be a good place to start. You want a better country, people? You want a better America right now, today? You can have it. All you got to do is go repeal every law that has infringed on your Bill of Rights that was enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. Yes, there were slave masters in the beginning of this country. I've been over it a hundred times. Yes, slavery existed. But guess what? Wouldn't life have been better for all non-white people during those years had we adhered to and believed in and enforced the amendments of the Constitution of the United States and most importantly, the Bill of Rights? That's all Ron Paul or any sound Logical, rational, pragmatic, libertarian thinker, or anarchist, minarchist, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. Independent. I like the word independent because you know you never know. Maybe some things, uh, a commonwealth, you know, uh, socialism of s some sort in small forms can work. I'm not saying socialism can't ever work. I'm saying socialism as the overall arching rule of a political system always fails. So I'm not saying socialism doesn't work. You know, I'm a veteran. I go to the VA hospital. You know, if you want to know what universal health care and what uh, socializing medicine looks like, just look no further than the VA people. The VA has its problems, of course, like anything else run by human beings. But, you know, socialism can work on a small scale 
when the overarching lay of the land is capitalism and the free market and non-intervention into uh, the private sector by the government except for a voted-upon direct democracy, representative democracy of people that vote on what specific things need to be restrained and need to be um, regulated for safety's sake. Okay? We can have honest, pragmatic, realistic conversations about those things, people. But the lay of the land, the rule of law, under a constitutional republic is the most important thing. And you can't make frivolous laws if you're going to adhere to the rule of law. You know, I think I, I said a quote previously, you know, unnecessary laws weaken the necessary laws. We don't need very many laws, people, if we really believe in freedom and if we really believe in uh, self-government, religious liberty, individual liberty, the right of all people, regardless of their race, color, creed, sexual orientation, to pursue and be guaranteed life, liberty, and not happiness, the pursuit of happiness. What's wrong with adhering to that? What's wrong with free market capitalism tempered with representative and direct democracy? I, I don't get it. And that's not how things are being run today, people. It's like you people just don't see it. You're so propagandized you can't see past your fucking TV screen and your phone screen and your computer screen. It's like you're plugged into the matrix already. You people need to unplug. You people need to go to the library. <laughs> or else there is not bright, beautiful days in our future as a nation, people. Russia, I mean, KGB guy in a previous podcast, and, you know, Reagan talking about Khrushchev, he's told his people that by the time the American Empire falls, it'll, it'll fall to socialism and communism, because by that time we will, be have weak, we will have been weakened from within, spiritually, economically, and culturally. It's happening, people. Everything I've been talking about on this podcast, every clip I've played by previous presidents, etc., have all been telling you the same story. It's a bunch of different stories, a bunch of different interpretations by different people throughout history, all telling you the same story. It's not a secret anymore, people. The reality of this world can be discovered in an instant with a little discipline, a little intellectual curiosity, and a little intellectual honesty. You got to get rid of the cognitive dissonance. You got to fight past the Stockholm Syndrome. You got to be courageous. You got to have Balls to try, to attempt, to learn, to grow, to better yourself, perfect yourself. If we all did that, people, we would immediately be living in a much better country. 
that could be respected and loved by the world as the example, the culture, the nation that sets the example for the rest of the world to follow based on morality or a a universal, uh, for lack of a better word, as close to universal as you can get, morality, religious freedom, self-government, or reduced, small government, because government is a necessary evil, evil, that must be restrained, tempered, by a set of checks and balances. All of this, people, is in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. I don't understand how you people don't make better political decisions. I'm going to keep bringing it. I'm going to keep slamming you guys in your face. Keep listening to this podcast. I'm going to just, I'm going to jam this stuff down your throats. And it's coming from a place of love, my fellow Americans. Uh, This next clip I want to play, people, this is Edward Snowden. Remember when we were talking about the coming AI world and, you know, Ronald Reagan was talking about more government uh, interference in your lives uh, back in 1964 when he was campaigning for Barry Goldwater? I really don't get it. I really don't understand you Democrats out there. You should be publicly calling out the far left progressive nut jobs amongst you. I don't hear it. You guys are all on the same team. Nobody speaks against the party. The party is always right. You guys don't hold each other accountable. You 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 believe that you have the moral high ground and you have it's you you have nothing of the sort. And you are far from it. Your worldview, your professed beliefs is of the devil. <laughs> In my humble opinion. I know. I know. A lot of you really you know, you really just want what's best for everybody. I get it. But your your methods and your methodology uh, is ridiculously short-sighted. And history has example after example after example that proves why that is the case for the most part. You know, I think it was Winston Churchill or somebody that says, you know, you know, capitalism is the worst form of, you know, government or the worst system that has ever been except when compared to all others that have been tried. (laughs) You know, it's not perfect, and it's not all good, but it's the best we have ever devised. In my humble opinion, and in the opinion of many of the, you know, principled, pragmatic, constitutionalist statesmen and believers in America. And the ideas, the founding principles, the philosophies of the founders of this country. I, f- I, I find it very hard to believe that anybody in our culture today could even hold a candle to how intelligent and how uh, calculated and how courageous these people were. You think you're going to find, you know, philosophers like, you know, David Hume, John Locke, Rousseau, you know, Thomas Hobbes, 
Thomas Paine, where are those guys at? Those guys out there in modern day America, you seen those guys anywhere? <laughs> Ron Paul's probably the closest we will ever see. Maybe a few others. But here we go. Here's uh, here's Edward Snowden talking about the brave new world Orwellian surveillance police state that I have been talking about at length on this podcast. Overseas, now increasingly we see that it's happening domestically. And to do that, they, uh, the NSA specifically, targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. It collects them in its system and it filters them and it analyzes them and it measures them and it stores them for periods of time simply because that's the easiest, most efficient, and most valuable way to achieve these ends. So while they may uh, be intending to uh, target someone associated with a foreign government or someone that they suspect of terrorism, they're collecting your communications to do so. Uh, any analyst at any time can target anyone, uh, any selector anywhere. Where those uh, communications will be picked up depends on the range of the sensor networks and the authorities that that analyst is uh, empowered with. Not all analysts have the ability to target everything, but I, sitting at my desk, uh, certainly had the authorities to, to wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president if I had a personal email. All right. So, I mean, scary, don't you think? You know, <laughs> we must compete. Remember the remember uh Robert Work and uh and the director of the Jake General Grown from a previous podcast talking about, "Oh, we're we're falling behind China and Russia. We need to we need to stay uh competitive. Uh we need to be AI ready by 2025, right? People." <laughs> They've been they've been collecting your information since 1992. <laughs> since ever since they passed the Patriot Act, and they had the t technological capability to do so. Private business is already doing it. Come on, man, people, you gotta wake up. It's we are past this. This stuff is already happening right now. And I don't understand, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why we as a nation, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, everybody in between, why we can't believe and listen and, and have faith in and try to pattern ourselves after guys like Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, Ron Paul, Malcolm X, John Lennon, Martin Luther King, and anybody who has had the courage to speak out, uh, you know, and speak truth to power and try to get you cowards to believe in something bigger than yourself so that you can join the team. That's why for a long time, I don't believe you can be in public office. Well, you can be in public office, but you can't be the commander in chief. You can't be in charge of the military unless you've served. And I know that's, that's, I know that that's controversial. I know a lot of people say, oh, there's been great presidents that were never in the military. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe, you know, nobody's perfect. Everybody does good and bad things. It's not about being right. It's not about what side's right. It's about what's best for everybody. How can you have an opinion if you don't even know what what's best for you? Is is you know 
part of the mentality of the intellectual elites. And I'm not saying that the intellectual elite elites are so bad or is or, or is such a bad thing, but you know, somebody the, the the intelligent people among us need to educate others. We need to have conversations. We need to talk about this stuff. We need to figure out how to get past the power structures that enforce, support, and defend the status quo. The best interests of the rich. Remember? Remember Princeton University recently said that now we live in an oligopoly. Plutocracy or whatever it is. Government uh, of the rich, by the rich, for the rich. They're collecting your data. They're passing stupid laws. They're trying to... If The goal of the government people is for you to end up in one of... in either one of the following two places. Either in the grave, in the ground, or in a prison somewhere. That's all government knows. Government will pass laws. The rich assholes that don't give a fuck about you that run this world will pass laws, will pay off the judges. They'll get what they want. That's just the way it is, people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to tell you. And I don't understand. I don't understand why why we cannot see and listen to the words of people like Ron Paul and all the people that I just discussed and described and say to ourselves... Why can't we believe in liberty? Why can't we believe in believing in ourselves? Why can't we have faith in our abilities, free of government intervention in our lives, and, and not be labeled a racist, sexist, misogynist, yada yada, progressive, whatever word, t- tear down word, shortcut to thinking word that they use against you? Identity politics. It's, it's disgusting and pathetic that grown men and women, adults, are caught up in this stupid game, acting like kids on social media, cancel culture, you know, critical race theory. Are you people that is any of that message bringing us closer to, together as a country? I'm asking you, progressives, Democrats. Are any of your parties current, professed, uh, you know, whatever, talking points, beliefs, principles? I don't even know if Democrats have principles. Do you guys even have any principles that you live by? Republicans claim to, but clearly they don't live by them. <laughs> I don't understand this faith, this blind faith in Democrats and Republicans. I don't get it. I don't get how you people still hang in. You know who else can't believe it and don't get it, doesn't get it? Lewis Black, one of my favorite stand-up comedians. He has a bit in, I think it was Stark Raving Mad, where he talks about Democrats and Republicans. He talks about Obama's election. And it's hilarious and simultaneously a searing, honest indictment that I really think you all need to hear. So here we go. Here's Lewis Black on Democrats and Republicans. When President Obama was elected, I'll never forget the next day, everyone, everywhere, said the following. I can't believe this could possibly have ever happened in my lifetime. Which made me wonder 
Who voted for him? <laughs> now, people who were truly overwhelmed by his election, I, I wasn't as much, and the reason is because he's a Democrat. And that didn't seem to me to be an improvement over Republican. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but our two-party system is a bowl of shit looking in the mirror at itself. Why would I be excited that a Democrat won? Seriously, over the past eight years, the Democrats didn't do shit. <laughs> Basically, the last eight years, I feel um, the Republicans stood around farting and the Democrats went, ooh, let me smell it. I find it astonishing that anyone is still a loyal Democrat or a loyal Republican. What are you basing this on? How is it possible? What is it that you see? I don't see what you're seeing. What is it that the Democrats or the Republicans have done for any of you in the past 30 years that has made any difference in your life? And yet, people hang in, which makes me wonder, what the fuck? I believe you're delusional. I believe you're seeing something that isn't there. And we call that hallucinating. And I know about hallucinations because I took LSD when I was young just to prepare me for this moment in time. I saw my refrigerator turn into a puma and run away. And I tracked that son of a bitch for three days, mostly wondering, what am I going to tell my parents? And when I finally caught up with it in the middle of the woods and I was cutting open its stomach in order to get a beer out, as crazy as I was at that point, I was less crazy than anybody in this room who's still a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself, Lewis Black. How do you do it? How do you do it? Can someone please explain it to me? How do you do it? You Republicans and you Democrats. How? How do you do it? How do you hang in there? How do you continue to move through life with tunnel vision, having blinders on? Completely just plugged into the matrix. Everything my mainstream media Big five news companies tell me about the world. I believe it, you know, I believe it as if it was the word of God. Just laying on my couch at night, being spoon-fed spoon -fed propaganda, just letting the waves 
waves of cable TV propaganda washing over you, <sighs> lulling you to sleep. Remember that from a previous podcast? I don't understand. How? You don't feel stupid, you Republicans and Democrats out there. After listening to that Lewis Black bit, he was high on acid running through the world. In that moment, he says, you know, I was still less crazy than anyone that still identifies themselves as a Democrat, a loyal Democrat or a loyal Republican. And I couldn't agree more with him. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. It's like you're living in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood of fairy tales and make-believe. You guys have big imaginations. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. All the answers you seek are not are not uh, too far away. You can easily find them, people. You just got to figure out who you are, where you stand. If you, you know, do you stand for anything? If you don't, there's a good chance that you will fall for anything. And you probably already have. You probably fall for everything. You fell for all the COVID stuff. You fell for the Patriot Act. You fell for the reasons why Bush took us into war in, uh, and you know, weapons of mass, uh, weapons of mass destruction. They got to be somewhere. <laughs> remember after all that? Remember after the war? It was like the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. Bush comes out and he's like, <laughs> "We got I'm sure those weapons of destruction are, are over there somewhere." <laughs> he's joking about it. They think you're stupid. And you know what? They're right. Some of you, especially Republicans and Democrats, you people, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm going to be mean right now. You people are fucking stupid. And I know Stefan Molyneux would probably label me a period person if I said after that statement, period. But, you know, this is my podcast. (laughs) And I can say and do what I want. If I want to be punk rock about my opinions, then I'm going to do it. So here we go. You ready? All you Democrats out there, all you Republicans, you people are fucking stupid. Period. I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, we'll have a little bit more fun, exciting comedy and commentary right here on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast. Can you expect anything less of me, people? (laughs) You know who I am. I'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, I'm sorry about the previous segment. I got a little upset, a little emotional. (sighs) Sometimes this stuff works me up. I'm sorry, I don't mean to call you people stupid. You know, I can... (sighs) I can just see it from both sides. <laughs> I can see it from the the unintelligent, uneducated, uh, extremely propagandized worker. And I can see it from the side of the intellectual elite rich assholes. You 
You know, I mean, strength comes from knowledge. Knowledge is power. And, you know, if you want to shed the fear, if you want to grow some balls, start reading, people. Because the more comfortable and confident you begin to feel on topics, the more comfortable and confident you're going to be talking about it uh, to, in public with others, the more comfortable and confident you're going to be living your truth and being the type of person that you claim to be, being the person that you portray yourself to be to the world. Life is a stage and we are all merely players, right? Man, I don't know. I got to get more uh, George Carlin about this, you know? I got to get more not caring, not having an emotional out, uh, an emotional stake in the outcome with this experiment of humanity. You know, we better get back to philosophy, people. What are we doing here? Who are we? What is our purpose? Is this all a chance occurrence? Is there intelligent design? We got to start at least at least talking about this stuff, people. I mean, it's never going to happen on the mainstream media news. You got to turn that shit off. You should start study groups. You should start book clubs. That's what you should do. You want to be a better person, my fellow Americans? Start exercising your body. Start educating your mind. And start challenging your, your discipline and your threshold for pain and discomfort. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Without struggle, there is no progress, etc., etc., etc. Here, I want to uh, read a couple quotes to you from uh, some liberty-minded individuals. This is from Lou Rockwell. He said, quote, capitalism ought to be our default position since it conforms to the basic moral insights we acquired in our youth, such as keeping your word, living up to your agreements, not taking what does not belong to you, and not causing anyone else physical harm. Let me ask you something. Do we need any more laws than that right there? Do we need any more? Maybe a few. A moral people, a just, reasoned, rational people. Isn't that what we want from each other? We want each other. We want, I, I want you. I want you to keep your word when you're talking to me. If I enter into an agreement with you, I want you to live up to your side of that agreement. I don't want you to take what is mine, and I don't want you to hurt or kill me. What more do you need, people? How much more honest can we get about human nature? This quote's from Robert Higgs. Quote, in debates between anarchists and statists, the burden of proof clearly should rest on those who place their trust in the state. Duh! 
Anarchy's mayhem is wholly conjectural. And remember Chomsky said that any uh, anarchical society needs to be highly organized. Maybe not hierarchical, but there needs to be, you know, democratic uh, investing of power to a select few, which isn't, you know, <laughs> philosophically at its roots any different and, and also in practice as what we already have. See, this is my point. This is Ron Paul's point. This is a lot of, of independent uh, thinkers' point of view, people, is that... All we got to do is get back to basics, people. All you got to do is get back to the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. That's it. That's all you have to do. Everything can be filtered through that. Every problem that we have in our society, instead of saying, uh, the only way to solve this problem is to restrict freedoms, to restrict individual liberty. Why can't we say, hey, let's solve this problem by giving people more freedom, giving people more liberty, giving people more options, choices, so that they can make their own decisions, the best decisions for themselves and for their families. What's wrong with that? How can we never hear anybody, any Republicans or Democrats talking about that, people? Huh? 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 Answer me that. Riddle me this, Batman. How come you never hear any conversations about that stuff on Fox, on C, uh, uh, um, whatever it is, MSNBC, CNN, State News, you know? <laughs> you gotta, you know, this is what I mean when I say, you know, when you're watching the mainstream media, you gotta... Not only pay attention to the bullshit they're trying to sell you, but you got to pay attention to what they're not telling you. And usually that's where the most truth is in anything that comes out of the head, the mouths of the talking heads on your TV screens. The ultimate tyranny in a, a society is not control by martial law. It is control by the psychological manipulation of consciousness. This way, those who exist within this society do not even realize that they are in a prison. The great suppression is of consciousness. People, I'm about to play for you an excerpt from a movie. Um, speaking of living in a prison, you know, peaceful slavery, um, you know, the city being the modern day concentration camp, uh, the Matrix, you know, a prison for your mind. Um, I've seen this a bunch of times and. Um, I couldn't remember what movie it was from, and then someone posted it again recently, and I want to share it with you right now. So this is from a movie called My Dinner with Andre. And this is a clip. I don't know who the writer of this movie is. Maybe I'll look, uh, look it up after I play this for you. But with the idea of living in a prison in mind, 
here we are. Take a listen to this, people. As the creates this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be a self-perpetuating, unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money, and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks. And it's not just a question of individual survival, Wally, but that somebody who's bored is asleep, and somebody who's asleep will not say no. See, I keep meeting these people. I mean, uh, just a few days ago, I met this man whom I greatly admire. He's a Swedish physicist, Gustav Bjornstrand. And he told me that he no longer watches television, he doesn't read newspapers, and he doesn't read magazines. He's completely cut them out of his life because he really does feel that we're living in some kind of Orwellian nightmare now and that everything that you hear now contributes to turning you into a robot. When I was at Findhorn, I met this extraordinary English tree expert, who had devoted his life to saving trees. Just got back from Washington, lobbying to save the redwoods. He's 84 years old. He always travels with a backpack because he never knows where he's going to be tomorrow. And when I met him at Findhorn, he said to me, where are you from? And I said, New York. He said, ah, New York. Yes, that's a very interesting place. Do you know a lot of New Yorkers who keep talking about the fact that they want to leave but never do? And I said, oh, yes. And he said, why do you think they don't leave? I gave him different banal theories. He said, oh, I don't think it's that way at all. He said, I think that New York is the new model for the new concentration camp, where the camp has been built by the inmates themselves, and the inmates are the guards, and they have this pride in this thing they've built. They've built their own prison, and so they exist in a state of schizophrenia, where they are both guards and prisoners, and as a result, they no longer have, having been lobotomized, the capacity to leave the prison they've made or to even see it as a prison. And then he went into his pocket and he took out a seed for a tree and he said, this is a pine tree. He put it in my hand and he said, escape before it's too late. See, actually for two or three years now, Chiquita and I have had this very unpleasant feeling that we really should get out. And we really should feel like Jews in Germany in the late 30s. Get out of here. Of course, the problem is where to go because it seems quite obvious that the whole world is going in the same direction. See, I think it's quite possible that the 1960s represented the last burst of the human being before he was extinguished, and that this is the beginning of the rest of the future now, that from now on there'll simply be all these robots walking around, feeling nothing, thinking nothing, and there'll be nobody left almost to remind them that there once was a species called a human being with feelings and thoughts. And that history and memory are right now being erased. And soon, nobody will really remember that life existed on the planet. I mean, people, people. (laughs) What are we doing? That movie came out in 1981. Does life imitate art, or is it art that imitates life? Does the music reflect what's going on in the culture? Or, you know, is the culture adequately represented in the music? I mean, you can go round and round and round and round and round and round in circles thinking about this stuff. It's crazy. For me personally, the the coincidences are are so vast. 
the interconnectedness is so obvious um, and it becomes more obvious if you have a psychedelic experience ever in your life, just one time. I feel like all you politicians, boy, all you guys need to do is, you know, get on Tim- Timothy Leary's page and you know, turn on, tune in, and drop out just just once, just once. Be surprised. It'll show you. It, it will reveal yourself to you. <clears throat> It'll help you out. I mean, they're already doing studies where MDMA and uh, psilocybin mushrooms are, are being used with. Uh, uh, prior military guys for PTSD and for people that have experienced trauma and depression and, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, etc., etc., etc. You know? We got to start getting more open-minded, people. Uh, I, I mean, I just... Oh, man. I don't know. So, uh, it's punk rock time. Uh Thinking in the spirit of, um, you know, the robots, you know, are we just all turning into robots? Are we going to merge uh, with machines in the future? You know, AI supremacy's coming, Terminators might be coming, the Matrix might be coming. Who knows? Who knows what's coming, right? Uh, but I wrote a song a while back. Uh, this was in my band, Nonprofit. It was called Bad Advice. And the lyrics to that song perfectly line up, people, with what I've been talking about in this podcast today. So here we go. Without further ado, my old band nonprofit with the song Bad Advice. Killing is over. 
The experts are saying we all should be paying for all the things we've done. The rich are deceiving, the poor are believing, but nobody is thinking anymore. Before I say your secret is safe with me, open up your eyes so you can see that Uncle Sam is taking the money he is raking in. All the rules are breaking. Hide away the evidence under false pretense. Your ignorance is your last defense. We've made it now. If the future isn't lost, what have we found? The studies are showing that everything's boring and everyone's depressed. And cable TV's got me thinking that nobody wants to leave their house. I must confess that the concrete jungle is growing and the water in the fountains is flowing. When killing is official and nature is artificial, the robot nation is coming. This has been episode 31 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. I know I've been playing a lot of my old bands as of late in the last few episodes, so uh, don't worry. I'm going to get back to, you know, good bands soon. (laughs) Uh, Very self-deprecating, you know, very humble these days. Yours truly, Andrew, for America. Hope you like the show. Check out the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com. Uh, email me, andrew 4 america 1984 at gmail.com. Follow andrew 4 america on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's it. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. I love you guys, and we'll see you, as always, next time. <laughs>